on public television, Nancy Zeman, B. Smith, they used to come on television, like right after Sesame Street. So I went over to her house, got her sewing machine out. I taught myself how to thread it. Where'd you get it from means that don't look like you made it. Okay, if I'm going to turn this into a business, I need to know how to make everything. The minute that you come in there with a made garment, you and your husband come in there with matching garments, if you can't step... All right, welcome to another exciting episode of the Dre and Smiley Inner Circle Podcast. I am so honored and proud to introduce Carol Crocker Ware. She's a phenomenal person. I just can't wait to read your bio and for this podcast to begin. Carol Crocker Ware has always been crafty and a DIY enthusiast, and she has been in love with sewing for over 25 years. And she, during her 12-year professional sewing journey, she started teaching classes to all ages. She published her work in various better home and garden publications and home decor capacities. She also has the honor of having her sewing and her arts and things she creates displayed in Ikea, Illinois. In 2006 and 2009, she worked exclusively on men's clothing for four years as an independent seamstress tailor. Her most prized tailoring project is where she created a custom tuxedo shirt and tie for her son. Carol, that's pretty impressive. Tell us tell us about you. How did you get into sewing? Well, you said DIY, but did you just watch somebody do it? This is pre, pre-internet. Did you see somebody in a family sewing and then you just picked up the passion or where does it, where does it all begin? Okay. So, so here's how I got started. First of all, back in the teen years, in my teen years on public television, Nancy Zeman, B. Smith, they used to come on television, like right after Sesame Street or, you know, and I used to watch those shows just because they were on. Um, Nancy Zeman has since passed away. Um, she was, she had cancer, but I used to, she had a stroke in her early years. So her lip was a little twisted. So she, she had like a, uh, an unusual, but a captivating look because her face was a little paralyzed, but I used to watch her religiously. And I never, this was before sewing, literally years before. I was probably about 16, 15 when I used to watch her show. I used to think that her blazers that she would wear on her show were impeccably made. She made all of her clothes, of course. Um, but I never thought about it. Uh, but then during high school, I was in the band. You know, I was a band mm-hmm. geek. I wasn't allowed to take any sewing classes because it was an elective. So the girls that were in the sewing classes, whenever they would come out with their little dresses and pants, I'd be like, what'd you make? You know, I was always really intrigued about what they were doing. But since I was a band geek, that sewing class thing wasn't, you know, it wasn't an option for me. And I've always liked clothes. I I was always, a, you know, a slave to fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, when my mom would go to Joanne Fabrics at the time, it was called Sofro Fabrics in Illinois. 
Uh, she would go get buttons because she was always wanting to mend our clothes, you know, fix them or whatever. I used to like to go with her just to see the store, just to see the fabrics. Um, I don't know what it was about the store, but it really was something that I enjoyed. So when she was like, I'm going to the fabric store to get buttons and some needles and thread. I want to go. I don't know why I wanted to go, but I would go in there, never bought anything, but I, I would touch the yarn and look at all the pretty colors and the fabrics. It was just a pretty store to me. Okay, so fast forward, life happened, guys, men, and boys happened, you know, so that whole sewing thing was way far from my brain. So Terrence came along, my younger brother. And when Terrence came along, he was the only one. We were all grown pretty much. So when he started school, he had a sewing class in school. So by him being the only one, he got everything. So my mom went out and bought him a sewing machine. And I was like, you bought Terrence a sewing machine? I was like, so um, so what do you what do you know about it? I don't know anything about it. You know, you have to ask him. Well, Terrence never had time. So then it, you know, it flew away years by or whatever. Then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this sewing machine thing out. And I'm going to try it myself. So I went over to her house, got her sewing machine out. I taught myself how to thread it. Um, I could get it going. I put some fabric underneath it. I didn't know any of the rules. I just needed it to work. I, I spent probably like $35. And, you know, when you 20, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of money yeah. to just waste. A lot of money now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I was defeated. I bought a pattern. I bought a bunch, a bunch of stuff. I ended up the project that I, you know, had in mind. I ended up hand sewing. <laughs> I didn't use the machine because I just couldn't get around it. So it's always been there. So fast forward to two thousand, no, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Casey was a baby, and I. I was in the dot-com industry. I've always been professionally in the telecom world. So I've been a computer person in, and my specialty is telecommunications. So when the dot-com industry hit, I found myself getting laid off, getting hired for projects, getting laid off again. So I'd never got fired where a lot of people in the dot-com industry lost their jobs I would get hired on for projects, but then I'm like, wait a minute, these guys are working me to death and then they're laying me off. So they were bringing me off for my knowledge. So after that last layoff, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this as an independent. I had no idea about being an an entrepreneur. I was just kind of forced into the, the world. So I did my first independent project. And then I didn't hear anything from anybody. I got one big one, and then I got one as a uh, independent contractor. So I'm just kind of sitting around, you know. So Keith was like, my husband is Keith. He was like, okay, listen, are you going to look for a job? What are you going to do? Casey is still a baby. Are you going to stay home? Or are you going to try and find a job? Because he got tired of, because, in the, you know, when you're in the IT world, when you're a low man on the totem pole, you travel a lot. So he was like, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so he was like, listen, I'm tired of this whole baby thing. Why don't you just stay home until you figure out, you know, what's going on? I'll support the family or whatever. I said, okay, fine. So I'm like, okay, well, 
for the next few Wednesdays. I ain't going to be doing nothing. So I went to Joanne Fabrics to get some buttons, and I saw a sign that said, free class. Oh, no, no, not free class. Class for the next, it was like a, two months, uh, every Tuesday. And uh, it was 60 bucks or something like that. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to be doing nothing. So I let me sign up for a sewing mm-hmm. class. So uh, my mom, I agreed. You know, My mom said she'll keep them during my sewing classes. And I went the first day. I was hooked like a straight up junkie. <laughs> I'm never on time for anything. But for sewing <laughs> class, I had my stuff by the door. And I was ready to go. And I... Yeah. Why was I hooked? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the well, you know what it was? It was the the thought of being able to make my own high-end clothes. Mm-hmm. That's probably the main thing. I'm like, man, I'm getting ready to tear this fashionista thing <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, so I was like, all I have to do is pay attention, uh, learn the rules. And I can make whatever I want. Now I can go into the fabric store with purpose, not just to smell the place and look around and enjoy the colors. There was actually some method to my madness. So while I was learning, Casey was a teeny tiny. So I'm like, I'll use him as my muse, you know? (laughs) So if it don't quite look right, we'll just take it off of him and put something else on him. And, you know, before we go out. So, as the class progressed, of course, I was the star student because I, and when it was time to leave, I was like, is it okay if I stay here for, you know, another 30 minutes? You know, I would stay an extra 30 minutes because I knew my mom had Casey and, and the lady was like, sure, everybody else was cleaning their stuff up. I was like, bye y'all, you know, so I would stay and, and read and, you know, Field, you know, I would write down questions that I had for myself. Then now this is internet time, the beginning of internet time. I could find a few answers on the internet, but not a whole lot. So I'm like, okay, let me go get some books. So I would spend the day, one day in the library doing research and finding out what I could. Because my whole thing was, I didn't want to be one of those people that, you know, you know, I heard you was taking a sewing class. Did you make that? You know, I want people to be like, oh, that's where'd a you cool get it from? outfit. You know, where'd you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you get it from means that it looks don't legit. look like you made it. So that was my ultimate goal. Right. So I'm like, okay. I So at home, I started off in the kitchen. I had a small bin of fabric that I used to put my fabric in a little bin and when it was time for dinner, I would clean up, put everything down, you know, on the floor, set aside. I had just a little bit of stuff. And I would spend literally hours. I cut out television because, you know, when you when you're a grown up and you're an adult, you don't have time to do anything. So I found out if I'm going to do this, I need to make time. So I cut out television. Um, I cut out a lot of little you know, I had maybe about 25 shows on the play. You know, I got to watch Grey's Anatomy. I got to watch this. I got to watch that. So I stopped. Get, yeah, I stopped getting into the series thing. And then I made time to sew. So I didn't have to take away time from the family, which was the main thing, because Casey was still a baby. Um, So 
Keith was just like, you really liking this. And, you know, when I had some free time in the evening, I'd get my sewing machine out on the kitchen table and I would just be working it. So by the time the class was over, I had my projects finished. It was a tote bag and I made a nightgown for my mom and that thing was so ill-fitting. But she was like, she had it on one day. I was like, what are you doing wearing that thing? She said, you were so excited when you were taking the class. You know, a mother's love. So I was like, yeah, well, yeah, you don't, you don't got to wear that anymore. But, um, I've been since the day I started, uh, which a lot of the people in the sewing world can't believe is since the day I started sewing, I have not stopped. There hasn't been a break, you know, more kids. Oh, I had to stop a year to do this. Oh, I had to do this. When I went back to work, I continued. So I, uh, in the beginning of my sewing journey, I had someone ask me, uh, well, gee, I would love to learn. And at this time, I had only been sewing for six months. So I had perfected some baby clothes. I had perfected uh, pajama pants. I was like, well, I'll teach pajama pants. I mean, yeah. I could do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I'm not going to, you know, let's not, don't ask me to make a wedding gown. That's a cool question here. So it sounds like from the time you got started, um, and you actually said this, you've discovered this is your passion, right? Which is incredible because yes. all of us know yes. people that we have met where they're still as adults with families and children still trying to figure it trying out. Trying to figure it so out. So the fact that you found yours, that's incredible. Do you have um, like a niche or do you, do you, cause it sounds like this is, this is, this is, this is your livelihood. It's not a side gig. No, it, this is actually, it's actually now a hobby for me. It used to be. And so, so when you did it for income, did you have a niche or could anyone come to you mm-hmm. with anything and you'd make it? I had, you know, I did not have a niche because my whole thing was, okay, if I'm going to turn this into a business, I need to know okay. how to make everything so okay. I can get all the business. So I was on the greedy end of it. Some people have a niche, just do women's wear. They just do wedding gowns. Some people okay. just do alterations. I felt like the more I know, I wouldn't have to turn anybody away and I could make that money too. So my little mantra now is I've made everything at least twice. <laughs> made at least anything. twice. Yeah, so at least having twice. your own business, I'm sure it comes with its own challenges. Talk to me about some of the challenges that you faced being a and what what's what's the right title is it seamstress what's the title that you would give like when you were you a seamstress were you a tailor well, what, what was what was your title i'm a i'm i'm a seamstress oh, tailor well, let's start seamstress there let's, tailor. Let's, let's back up a second so what's the difference between a seamstress and a tailor okay seamstress generally okay seamstress generally do alterations and women's wear. Most of the work is done on the sewing machine. Okay. Uh, there is men's wear too, but it is with the sewing machine. So let's talk about about 80% of the process. If you're a seamstress is done on the sewing machine. When you're a tailor, it's generally for men's wear because men's clothes have a little bit more detail. You're using about 30% of the sewing machine and most of the process okay. is hand done. 
So that's the difference okay. between tailoring. And then tailoring is done on the fabric. It's flat drafted according okay. to custom measurement. So it's for men and women now because women wear suits and everything, but that's the difference. So if you're usually if you're a tailor, you don't do alterations. And then being a business owner, it always comes with challenges, usually mm-hmm. unexpected. Talk to me about one or two mm-hmm. major challenges that you encountered uh, being a seamstress slash tailor in your business and how you overcame those. Uh, one challenge in particular was, uh, and a lot of people face this now, a prom. Okay, so when you have the prom girls, a lot of them have their own jobs. You know, they're 17 and 18. They may work at the mm-hmm. local ice cream store or Walmart, but they're paying for their own job, their own okay. um, dresses. So a lot of the young ladies would come to me and a lot of them didn't know this, but pre-prom, you fish the schools that are in your local area and they have a list of do's and don'ts that these kids can and cannot wear. In terms of attire. Exactly. So the girls will be like, I want my stomach out, my piercing out, my back out. I want everything out. So I, when I encounter two of these young ladies, were like, I'm paying for my own dress. And I'm like, mm, no, not with my name on it. You're not. So I required, if you're under the age of 18, you had to bring a parent to the consultation. Some of them had problem with that, but they still brought their parents and, you know, the parents need to know what I'm making and how this child is going to be, you know, leaving the house on their prom date. You know, they got to be looking at these pictures when they're 50. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to be like, yeah, this girl made this dress. No, Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting ready to have that. So that was an issue because, you know, sometimes the young ladies, you know, would. They think they're grown. Yeah. That's how it is. And, you know, you can always find somebody else. Um, Another challenge in, you know, that I faced in the beginning was saying no to people. Uh, You know, I don't know how many times people came over with, you know, 10 pairs of jeans and it's like, can you hear my pants? And everybody wants to negotiate with the sewer or the, the tailor at the dry cleaners. Oh, they charged me $20 to sew my, to hem my pants. Oh my goodness. That is terrible. So my thing is why you go to Walmart, maybe you don't like what they have at Walmart. Mm. So you go to Target, right? So you have your choice. When you go to your local tailor, your local seamstress, and you need your pants hemmed, a couple buttons sewn on. First of all, the first thing people need to think about is if you can't do it yourself, then you're going to have to pay somebody to do it. Why do you think it should be $5? You know, people love to yeah. go into your pocket. That was a you huge all this challenge money? for me. You making all this uh, money? Every you time. can't afford to charge me less? <laughs> every time I had a job, somebody wanted mm. to negotiate the price, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, we can do it at your price, but you're going to need to go get my thread. I need you to buy me a specific needle. I need you to give me a small can of oil because I have to oil my machines up when I'm done. You know, they don't think about the wear and tear on your machines. And then the time, you know, it's going to take me an hour to hem your pants. But now I can't watch Oprah. I can't kiss my baby. I can't, I can't make tea and dinner for my husband. 
You got to give some to get some, right? Exactly. So the best way that I would present it to the people that were, you know, hell bent on, you know, why you got to charge that much? I would break it down for them. And I'm like, okay, so now when I do your project, I'm making $7 an hour. Then I'm like, is that minimum wage? Would you do a job less than minimum wage? And that, you know, when you take it and put it in, you know, their hands and their perspective, you know, then it's different. And I'm like, okay, so now I need to make a living wage off of your project. And I, and another thing that I would do is I kept a log of how long it took me to complete the project. So if somebody asked me to him two pair of pants, I'd write down, start a job at 415, mm. just like an attorney. I wrote everything down that I did so they can have a timeline of how long it took me. And then they would feel more comfortable with what I charged. So, yeah, that that's a huge issue, you know, getting people to understand just because you think it's simple. It doesn't mean that it's okay. something simple. Yeah, I have a lot of people who think because there's not a button or a zipper on a garment, they think it's simple. Well, you know, yeah, you, I'm, you can make me this dress, and you know, it's simple. There is no simple. <laughs> the only thing simple about that dress is the style. Makes sense. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't mean it's simple to make, simple to maintain, or, you know, simple to create. We, we, we had a podcast, and we uh, were speaking with the podcast representative, and we told him that we were going to speak with you, the your expertise. Mm-hmm. And she had a question she wanted us to pose was, she wanted to know if you could put a pocket inside of a dress. And she was thinking about a palm dress, and, a, you know, they're not carrying purses or anything. And she said specifically, can you put pockets inside of dresses or have you done that or is that common you could put a pocket yeah you could put a pocket anywhere uh i'm not a fan of pockets on dresses but if a person would ask for it it's something that i would do but yeah you can cut a pocket in anywhere you just have to know how to do it um and if there was somebody who was willing to do it on their own I could show them how that's not a problem, but it could be done. But then you have to think, and this is what a lot of people don't think about is, is it a a dress that fits close to the body? So now if I put a phone in there, it's going to be a big square on the (laughs) side of my dress because I'm trying to have my cell phone or it's going to be a bundle so you can see the money. So you have to know where to put the pocket. But as long as there's seams on a dress, you can pop the seams open and you can actually stitch your pocket in that you can put your hands in. So uh, most of the time, though, depending on the fabric, it doesn't support a cell phone. And most people want to put their cell phones in their pockets. No, Another one, this is a different podcast, a different topic a little bit. We had a guest on from Chicago Mm -hmm. and she was talking about stepping. And I said, well, my cousin, she steps with her husband and she made her own outfits. And she's like, she does. I was like, yes, she does. She's from the South side of Chicago. So can you talk a little bit about when you was making your outfits for you and your husband and you was doing the stepping in that sort of South South Chicago cultural thing that you were... I told her that you won a whole oh bunch of competitions. Goodness. She's like, I might know her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the steppers community, uh, a thing is if you're married, you wear outfits alike. Okay. So, uh, 
if the colors coordinate or if you had a maid. But the thing about that is if the minute that you come in there with a maid garment, you and your husband come in there with matching garments, if you can't step, oh my, oh my gee, you know, you're the laughing stock and everybody's elbowing you. You know, and then you get this, you know, you get this world, you get this yeah. reputation, you know. They think they, look, look, they, like, think they got them, something you know. going. Right, right, right. Right. Exactly. So the first time me and Keith did the matching thing, we were dating, but I hadn't started sewing yet. So after I started sewing, I was like, for a while, Keith was like, uh-uh, you ain't making nothing for me. Because, you know, the stuff was coming out a little rank. But then when I started getting really good at it, <laughs> he was like, okay, let's right. give it a try. But I made our first outfit, and we went out. And then after that, you know, I was making our outfits, and we were going yeah. out all the time. And it was like, people were noticing and right. we could step, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because we were married, we, we could step. And, you know, so when we were on the little showcase, everybody's like, right, yeah, right. y'all doing it. Outfits right. matching, yeah. y'all jamming. But wait a minute. One time we went in there with this outfit on, this guy came up to me that I knew and he said, Y'all were. Oh. <laughs> but, oh no! Yeah, so yeah, so in the stampers community, repeating is a true sin. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with 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 the black community in general, right? We take pride in mm-hmm. you know our our appearance and how we look and how right? we look, right? And so it's it's a, it's a double edged sword because. You know, you want to you want to look right. Whether you're going to class, I remember in college going to class. It was like like Monday. This may sound crazy. Tell me if you guys did this too. Like Monday through Wednesday, I had to ease into it, and then fr- Thursday, Friday, I hit him with a pow. You know, like whatever it was. That, that was like my thing. That's my routine. The bless, the double edged sword is like you just said. You got some outfit. You're like, oh, this is it. This is it. And you wear it once. Everybody sears that into the memory. Yeah, watch People it. are it's watching. So now People you're like, oh, man, I can't wait this for a minute because I just wore it like two two days ago. But yeah, it's interesting. Tell me this. So I have um, some families that live in Chicago. I, I'd go visit them and they took me to a mm-hmm. service club a couple times. I'm sure there's a number of them. This would have been, and, and, and tell me if, if there's one that stands out to you. There's This would have been probably in the late 80s. Uh, again, it was, on, it was on the south mm-hmm. side. The aunt lived off Indiana. Like, like, like. Oh shoot! I, I wish I knew the address. I could probably look it up. Is there? Wh- how many separate clubs were there? And the separate clubs were there in that in that area around that time? Were there a number of them or one prominent one? So I'm trying to remember the name of it. If she lived in Indiana, uh, was she close to the downtown area? Do you know downtown Chicago? Yeah. Well. Uh, probably like 20 minutes, probably maybe about 20 minutes. Oh, there was a couple of places okay. in the eighties, okay. quite a few places. Uh, I didn't start stepping until maybe okay. like 93 because with the steppers clubs, you back in the day, you had to be 27 uh, to get in. 
So there was one club I used to try and sneak in. He was like, you ain't 27. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so so I could only get in when this guy was at the door, you know? So then the first time I went in, uh, I can't think of the name of the club, but it was on Michigan Avenue. I, you know, I was not afraid, but I mean, i like literally that day I got spun off the stage. Um, I got oh, my no. foot stepped on, my shoes were jacked oh, up no. the day was over, but I had learned right. so much and I was like, right, okay, right. I'm coming back, you know, so, but my friends, you know, yeah. and I was in my early twenties, my friends was like, we're not going there with all them old dudes, you know, <laughs> the hats tilted to the side. <laughs> and, and, and one last question about, about about stepping for people that aren't aware of it, because it's it's a whole like kids say tonight, uh, it's a whole vibe, it's a whole culture, it's a whole yeah. So h- it's a how whole would you, vibe for someone who's never stepped before? Because you know it's it's a regional thing, you know. How would you describe? stepping for someone who hasn't stepped before just to get a sense and then we'll jump back into to you and, and being a seamstress and a tailor how would you describe it all right for somebody who has not stepped before it's mesmerizing when you see somebody who really knows how to do it and oh my goodness how fun is it it's like an amusement yeah. park ride when you're a woman sometimes you get picked up when you get spun around it's a lot of fun so I have a clip from when I went out two weeks ago on my uh, inst- no oh, on my okay. TikTok feed. So if anybody wants to see some stepping, go to my TikTok feed. It's on. What's there. the name? What's um, the handle? And my my handle is Ancy A N N C I E two thousand one okay. on TikTok, and it was filmed about probably about three okay. weeks ago, and um. I told my sister-in-law, I was like, film me stepping so, you know, my sewing group can see me stepping because they ask right. me all the time. And and the shirt that I wore. Okay, I okay. yeah, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll, so, we'll actually we'll probably link yeah. to it as well. So back to you being a seamstress and a tailor. So you mentioned that you made the transition from uh, working for someone else and getting fed up with, you know, working for someone else to doing your own thing. You built your business. Um, you designed and created all different types mm-hmm. of clothing, clothing for any and everyone. Uh, and it sounds like, you, like you've slowed down a bit, um, you know, in terms of, you know, doing it full time. Um, what was the point? What, what made you realize, you know, I love this. It's still my passion, but I think I'm going to slow down a bit. What, what was the catalyst for that? Well, what happened was, uh, I felt like, okay, it's time for me to go back to corporate America. So when I looked at uh, corporate America, I was having problems uh, finding a work because I had been out of the IT game Mm. for so long. So when I decided to go as I was like, well, I want to get back into IT because to me, that's passion number two. I've always felt that way about computers and my love for the industry. Um, so instead of sewing, now I decided to be an independent Mm. contractor as a, an independent Mm. tech contractor. Then I started getting clients and I got like seven regulars. And after I got my seven regulars and I was working every day as an independent. So that was a good thing. 
so then towards the end, uh, when I made the transition, I was sewing exclusively for men at that time. My husband had gotten a job uh, as a bus driver Ooh. for the CTA. So when before he got the job, I would have the guys over for fittings and and measuring and things like that. But when he started working, he was down on the bottom. So he was doing mm-hmm. a lot of crazy hours. So now he was not here when these men came over to get sized, to get fitted. And then mm-hmm. that wasn't an option. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to have to stop. And then we also moved to the South suburbs. This was before mm-hmm. we moved to the South suburbs. So when I was working exclusively for men, I had five regulars that uh, I made custom garments and alterations for those guys mm-hmm. all the time. Three of them were in the Western suburbs and had a heart attack when they yeah, found out I was I moving. But I'm like, I'm yeah. sorry, guys, I'm moving. The other two were here that I got from the South area. And then when Keith started working different hours, mm-hmm. I had to drop it. So I really did not. My, my tech business was going well. Uh, I was doing part time. So that means I could still be home. Uh, with KC, uh, and then I could still work. So I just stopped the, um, I was like, I don't want to get back into the women, uh, you know, so for men, it was kind of like, okay, what kind of pants do you want? Um, brown. <laughs> okay. Does that light brown yeah. or ca- brown? Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I know how yeah. you are. Blue. Just make <laughs> them blue. Okay. <laughs> I just there's, want there's blue. More, there's more no, than one shade no, of brown. I'm like, okay, now. <laughs> Is he? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and if I started back with the women, they would have been like, well, you know, I need sand, <laughs> sunset brown on a Hawaiian beach. You, you know, and if it's not quite right. sunset, sand brown on the Hawaiian beach, right, then right, we got right. problems. You know? So I was like, I, yeah, no, I want sky blue with a tad of ocean cloud. You know, that that blue with a little bit of gray in it. I, I was yeah, like, yeah, I cannot yeah, yeah. do that. No, not with a no with a, t- a child yeah. that was a preteen. And tell me this, did, like, you, did you make nah. that the shirt you were so wearing? I right decided, now? Did you make that? yo, no. Yes, sir, wow. I did. And not only did I made it, make it, I made a tutorial on how I wow. did the beading. So those are things that I do now. So my whole thing now in mm-hmm. Carol's Song Corner. This mm-hmm. is my Facebook group. I I feel like this. I, I've done it for years. I had work published. I was featured for a year with IKEA. I did a whole spread for them, and my my uh, project was displayed in their wow. store for a year. I did seven Better Homes and Gardens wow. magazines, where I did living rooms, bedrooms, um, the kitchens. You know, where we had an interior designer. She would send me what she wanted. I made everything mm. and they would dress the room. Uh, some beautiful stuff. And I'm really proud of that work. That was home deck, home deck, like yeah. curtains and beds, bedding and pillows, mm. that kind of thing. So I feel like now uh, for the new sewists that are coming on, you know, B. Smith and Nancy Zeman, they're mm. not on TV anymore. Everybody's going out mm. to YouTube University to right. try and learn how to sew. And everybody on YouTube yeah. University can't sew. So they're learning bad habits and they're learning things that mm. they shouldn't be doing. So now with my group and what I'm doing now is I want to give back to the young folks that are learning how to sew. 
So my thing is, I've been there, I've made the money, I've made the projects and the product. So I kind of know a little bit mm. about what's happening. So I like to share my, you know, I like to share what I know. I share my techniques. How does your stuff look like that? What are you doing? And so I, I'm like, well, what, is, what do you want to know? Uh, I want to know how to do this kind of zipper. All right. So I'll give like a class and I'll give a Zoom class and then people will attend. No charge. I'm just sharing. Um, and my classes do really well. I have literally a minimum of 40 wow. people that come on, on Zoom. virtual class. Yeah. And these are free yeah, classes. on Zoom. Now, I just did a TikTok. That's wonderful. Yeah, these are free. I just did a TikTok class where we had like, the, we started off with like 77 people and the numbers were going up, but we never went below wow. 70 people. And it was a top that we did a sew along. And during the sew along, um, you know, people would ask questions and I would share tips. Okay, here's what I'm doing to this neckline. Here's what I'm doing. So this is what I would normally do when I make this. Tell me, tell me this. If you could comment on on several things. One is um, you mentioned that your second passion was IT or is IT communications computers. From when you started taking your first Joanne class to now with your IT skills, and social media. You mentioned Facebook, Zoom, TikTok, Instagram. How do you, <laughs> do you find it's easier to do all of this stuff with your knowledge in IT and your sewing skills? And then the follow-up to that is, why do you not charge if you have so many people? Is it, do you want to charge or you just love giving back and you don't charge when you have so many people attending your free sessions? Well, first of all, being on the IT side makes it a whole lot easier uh, figuring out how to operate these apps and things on social media. So that's always been a positive for me. So it hasn't taken me a long time to figure out how to do this and how to do that. Um, as far as giving back, that's all I'm about. Charging, there's a caveat to charging. When you charge people, now they, they, you know, they expect something from you. Well, Miss Carol, you said the class was going to start at seven. I'm paying good money for this class and it's 715. If I don't charge, I cancel <laughs> 10 minutes before if I want to. But, but I, I was. Mars may be like, let's, like, let's go okay. get some tacos. I'd be like, all right, let me put, I'm canceling on Facebook. Class is canceled. No, I, I. If I don't charge, I can That's do whatever right. the hell That's I right. want. That's right. But I was thinking more of the uh, immortalize you with a video and you just let them download and have an on-demand class. Say, you know, you, you're just well, 90 minutes. Here's the uh, thing. Well, only for the sewing corner. These people have to be in my group. They're allowed to download my classes. Now on Zoom and, I mean, for TikTok and uh, Instagram. Those are not recorded and they're not downloadable. Mm -hmm. So if you're not there, you don't get to share, <laughs> you know, but you have to be a part of my group. And one thing about my group, I don't have 80,000 members and all of that stuff. I make sure people yeah. are engaged, right? I don't have other admins in my group. And if I see you're not doing whatever you need to do or you sneaking and you sharing or posting your church videos, 
you're out of there. I don't give nobody a second chance. You're just deleted. It's my group. You ain't paying me. It's my group. So, you know, when you, when people, you know, you accept money from people, mm-hmm. you're, you're given a service, but they're expecting mm-hmm. something from you. That's true. So I don't mind sharing and, sh- you know, and sharing my knowledge. And like I said, I've been there. And then my day job pays way more than all the work that I could do mm-hmm. sewing. And when I was making money sewing, I found myself getting stuck in, uh, man, you know, I got, got this deadline. I got to finish. Ugh, I'm going to have to stay mm-hmm. up late. And all of these beautiful things were leaving my home. Mm-hmm. They weren't mine. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, you know what? After I got done slaving for other people, I didn't feel like coming in here and creating my beaded mm-hmm. sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. The whole purpose of me learning how to sew was so I could outfit mm-hmm. myself. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's when I, you know, I Big let transition. go of the, the business thing. But I do not have a problem with sharing. Um yeah, I have a really good reputation in the song community. They call me Auntie oh, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, and I'll, you know, I'll speak my mind. If you ain't doing it right and it don't look right, here's here's what I do. Okay, uh, they love this. Uh, I, and I tell them, I said, listen, guys, Auntie Carol's out there on them internets, and I'm looking at them garments you all are half making, and you're telling them, I showed you how to do it? No. Before we, we move into the final four, it gets that kicked off, but... um. Can you, you mentioned community and I, I didn't tell Dre this, but a couple months ago, maybe six to nine months ago, I, I was talking to Carol and she's like, I'm getting ready to get on the podcast with these ladies from Australia or New Zealand. Oh, wow. Where, how, are you global in nature <laughs> and with how far is your community? And within that community, do you find it's mostly women, women of color, there's 50-50 men? women, Asians, or how, how would you say your, your community is? Okay, so from my community that I have actually reached out and touched, I have the UK, India, Australia, New Zealand, um, and the wow. Netherlands? No, Denmark. I have a person in Denmark that I talk to. So on Instagram stories, I have this thing where I start sewing at 10 p.m., so remember, it's ISC time. It's it's daytime in these other countries. So they're okay. watching me. So when I went on to the Australian podcast, I was like, wow, I had no idea so many people were watching me. But then everybody here is asleep. So the U.S. people are asleep. So that's how I developed wow. my following um, in other countries. Also, before, um, uh, there used to be another app that was associated with Twitter. I can't remember the name of it, but I used to do stuff on there. I would get on late night sewing and I would just be sewing and I would have an audience from other countries. Uh, This girl, Annette from Denmark, she's in my group and she's active and, you know, she reaches out to me if she has questions. So I actually have people in other countries that do follow and they let me know where they are. Lots of African people as well. It's incredible. Um, So you know, it's just kind of, you know, yeah. staying up late and, and this is, you know, what I do. It's my time to sew. My son is either asleep or not here. My husband is asleep. The fact you're able to be up until 1030 at night, is, that alone is, is amazing. 
now we talk really? at 3 a.m usually two i'll shut it down usually at wow. about 2 a.m and then my first meeting in the morning is at wow. eight in the morning hats <laughs> so, off to you <laughs> uh, but i mean it's quiet time and uh I, i'm just addicted to this night thing and you know what i found out uh, a lot of the community was like uh for a while i stopped posting and it wasn't nothing wrong. I was just making stuff and just not posting it. They were like, you know, we love to get up in the morning when it's time to get dressed for work. And you have all these stories. And I listen to them wow. while I'm getting dressed. I had no idea. And I found that out at one of the events. But across the country, they give this, they give sewing retreats. Uh, there's these things called mm. frocktails. Like I went to New York frocktails. I was invited. So it's an evening party where you get dressed up in your okay. frock that you make and you meet everybody from the social media, you know, right. people that have been following you or people that you follow, whoever lives in the New York area and you show off your outfit. They have a runway show. So everybody gets to walk up and show their outfits. Yes. I've been invited wow. to several. But I've only uh, been to um, New York Frocktails. So now I've been invited to Miami's Frocktails, Atlanta Frocktails, and um, there's a sewing retreat in Atlanta. I'll be attending, but everybody's like, please right, come right, to Miami. Right. Please come to Miami, Miss Carol. We want to meet you. So I don't know. It's getting a little expensive. You've been doing this for, for quite some time, it sounds like. You have a huge following. Uh, based mm -hmm. on what you just shared, what would mm -hmm. what's that one thing that your followers don't know about you that you wish they knew? Hmm. I don't think they know how high up in my position I am in my mm. regular day job. Uh, so, and I think if they did know, you know the requirements and everything from the nine to five, some of the stretching wouldn't be so, you know, cause there's been times in, you know, during the day while I'm working and I'm online and I'm working till my phone is ding and ding, ding. I can't ding, get this, this stitch to go correctly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something's going on with my machine. Some of them know because I have like when people are having sewing machine issues actually with the physical machine, I'll be like, okay, open it up, do this, this, this. And some people are like, what do you know how to do? Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's a few that know. But um, I think if they really knew where I was in the IT world, they would probably back off. But I don't yeah, want them be so to back off because... I just let mm -hmm. them know I have a job and I'll answer you okay. after five o'clock. Right. You know, that's, so that's how that's it fair. is. Smiley. I don't want people asking me for yeah. IT stuff. I that whole can you help me fix my printer? <laughs> printer. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't do printers anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, something's wrong with my email. You know anything about email? Like that's funny. Well, we God, I don't yeah. do that anymore, guys. We're gonna move into the final four. And um so the first question is you're at you're at a dinner. It's four chairs at the table. You're in one of them. Alive or dead, who do you want at the other three tables, the chairs rather, and why? Alive or dead? Hmm. I'm okay, so the, I'm inviting three people, yep, three correct? Others. Alive or dead. 
Um, I would love to have Nancy Zeman mm-hmm. at the table. I would love to have, and not uh, song related, my father and my son at the table because they've never love it, met. love it. So beautiful. So, what's been your greatest success? My greatest success, uh, probably my two. I have two great goals my, that I've actually met. 